Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore. It's another episode, and today's episode, I sit down with Illaman, Peng Shui, uh, many guysies. Um, but all you need to know is he's a wonderful human being, as you are about to find out. Um, super open, honest, warm, kind. What more do you want from a guest? Um, well... Good song choices, you get that as well. Um, some laughs, we have lots of that. And uh, and we have a nice career-spanning chat. Um, it's, it's a wonderful one. Um, big thanks to Emma for, um, for facilitating this chat. And uh, thanks to you lot for listening and continuing to support Off The Beaten Track. Thanks to Screw Pip uh, and all my brothers and sisters at the Distraction Pieces Network that this podcast is really, really proud to be part of. Um, what a gang. Um, what a body of podcasts you can you can listen to over on the network. Um, and thanks to 76, my trusty producer, um, that just works his magic on uh, Zoom audio. Uh, because, you know, we all have to do these things remotely. We want to speak to these lovely people you try and make it so it's convenient for everyone so sometimes it's a lot easier post lockdown to still just grab them on zoom because well we're all kind of used to doing things like that now so uh so yeah thanks to 76 um if it's your first time listening um please subscribe um go check out the back catalog when you finished uh this episode today with illaman you can hear me chatting to the likes of chuck d from public enemy Fatboy slim uh, motley crew foo fighters oh gosh there's uh comedians like james acaster ed gamble um producers like butch vig Fatboy slim uh have i said Fatboy slim already maybe um there's Hundreds. There literally is hundreds of episodes now. Three hundred and fifty, I believe. So, um, yeah, scroll through and you'll you'll see loads and loads of people from your favourite bands, TV shows, radio shows. Oh God, comedians, everything. Go have a rummage and you'll find something uh, uh, that you'll enjoy. Or just start at the beginning and work your way through. We start episode one with Mr. Scroobius Pip, and that's a lovely chat. Pip and I. Are obviously old pals, so we have a, a lovely now. So it sort of started there many moons ago, and uh, and yeah, fast forward to right now, it gives me great pleasure to say, please enjoy off the beat and track podcast with Illaman. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the beat and track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. 
It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us. But they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It's me, Stu Whiffin. Right, we are recording. How are you doing today? Very well. Good, thank you. Love um, Excited and happy. Nice. Where are you? I'm just at home at the moment in Queen's Park in London. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Uh, what, what's with the Zoom background? Explain. Uh, Strop Dead Fred. <laughs> is that what it is? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, my, um, my, my, me and my sister watched Drop Dead Fred so much when we was young and it recently got put on Netflix. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm basically, you know, my, I've got, uh, my, my sister's got two kids. I've got two nieces. One's 19, one's seven. And the seven-year-old's just like a little nutter. So, um, just like, yeah, she's got to watch Drop, Drop Dead Fred. So the other day I called her and I stuck it as my background. She's like, oh my God, how did you know? Just, yeah. <laughs> He's so <laughs> weird. Like, it was there, so it's popped up this morning. I'm like, oh, bloody hell. But I think we'll leave him there. Yeah, mate, I'm all over it. I uh, I think it's really weird when, uh, like, we've all got such, like, <clears throat> massive nostalgic love for these sort of films that we grew up watching. And, and I've tried to kind of uh, pass that down uh, to my kids. And I'm just wasting me fucking time. It's like, <laughs> I sat down and I was like, right, kids, strap in, right? This is Breakfast Club. You are going to be all over it. About 15 yeah. minutes in, phones were out. Just like, eh. It's like, yeah. Come on. L- Luckily, my niece, is she's pretty good like that. She'll... um. She'll, she'll sit and actually watch them. So yeah, I've been showing her all the classics. It's, she's probably a bit young, but I showed her a bottom because she's like, oh, that man's so funny. I was like, that's Rick Mail. There's lots to know. There's lots to see about Rick Mail. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I showed her a bit of the young ones. You know, I showed her a bit of bottom. But, I literally yeah. was watching the young ones last night. I've, uh, they've on like, I've series linked it on, it must be on the iPlayer or BBC, some kind of uh, nostalgic TV uh, channel on, on, uh, on Virgin. And I watched Bomb last night, and oh, do you know what? It's like when you realise how long ago that was, and what other comedy was doing the rounds then, and then all of a yeah. sudden you see what 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 Rick and Aiden and and I, I guess Ben Elton and was it Liza, Liza Mayer? One, it was one of the writers. Like, yeah, there was Alexis Sale. Mm. Uh, yeah, there were Nigel Planner. You know, the, yeah, the whole, the Monty Python guys, just that that comedy for me of that 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 era is just brilliant, man. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Anyone, if you give anyone a frying pan and they're going to eat someone with it, I'm all over yeah. it. I'm all yeah, over yeah. it. Like. <laughs> that episode, Gas Man of Bottom. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's the best one. Man. 
Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, so good, man. So, so good. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Right, let's start your playlist, brother. And uh, sure. um, for track one, I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. I'm going to just quickly say before I answer your question, I love these questions, but they're bloody difficult. That's the idea. <laughs> yeah, they're really difficult. So <clears throat> I've, I've kind of, yeah, obviously like most people do, I've taken it very personal. So the, the first one, yeah, the greatest intro for me, it's just because of a moment. And I think, you know, music's important like that when you can connect it to a moment or a specific emotional feeling, it's great. So All Things to All Men by Cinematic Orchestra featuring Roots Maneuver. Um, and simply just because uh, I was pretty hungover on a flight coming back from, I think it was Bucharest. I was emceeing for Goldie at the time and uh, just, yeah, you know, drank all the vodka, had a lovely party. It was great, but um, was just quite hungover. And anyway, got on this plane, pretty empty flight, lovely sky. That song came on <clears throat> and um, I just remember feeling like I wanted to cry, but incredibly happy at the same time. Yeah. You know, with that intro and just the leading and the strings and the build and just for me it was just a real like uh, emotional moment. So yeah, I'm gonna say that for me, because there's so many great ones. But, but yeah, that one personally was like, you know, it's a really beautiful intro, I think. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say all things to all men. Perfect. That's that's a great tune as well. And 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 I think you can accentuate like the the power of music and and, and what it can do to you with a hangover. Like, if you're yeah. hanging, mate, I can watch an episode. I might be just laying there on the sofa on a Sunday morning and it's just on in the background. I don't watch Hollyoaks, but it's, there might even just be some kind of lame scene in Hollyoaks. And I'm bawling my eyes out, man. If I've yeah. got a hangover, I'm a little bit fragile. It's like, yeah. it don't take a lot, does it, to really cut through? Oh, uh, yeah, anything sets me off. I'm a cryer, mate. I'll cry everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is, you know. There's no point in trying to hide it. No, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. No, I'm having a cry. I'm upset. Leave me alone. Yeah. And and the thing with intros and and the cinematic orchestra, I mean, so much of their stuff is these lush soundscapes as well. Um, Mm -hmm. When you approach writing, um, do you ever take into consideration the 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 trends in which people, like, you know, young people are consuming (laughs) the music now via the means of things like TikTok and, and, to get on Spotify playlist now, it's like, look, come on, start with a chorus or bang, cut, no, no fat on this. Like, does yeah. that ever kind of filter through to your creative process? Do you know what? It has in the last three years, four years, I'd say, um, because I come from an MC background of hosting and being in raves, you know, and like I said, I did the drum and bass thing for a few years and then I hosted a lot of the dubstep guys and I used to host a lot of garage raves. And so it, it it's quite difficult because I only recently, well, you know, I, I recently started therapy too and delved into a lot of stuff, you know, uh, and I've now really made it important and, and a mission for me to to make sure that there's some kind of message or importance or something to the song, you know, that I write. And, uh, you know, everything I'm writing now is is very, very honest and from the heart, I guess. And it's probably not the best way to look at it sometimes, but I, I literally, I, I already feel like I've done the thinking of trying to write for the TikToks generation and, and you know, the quick, you know, the hits, what's going to, what's going to click, what's going to click. Now 
if the song feels good to me and it feels right to me, then it's done. You know, and that's that's all that matters. You know, for me now with writing is is it's got to feel right for me, and it could be five minutes, seven minutes, you know, three minutes. I mean, obviously, you know, sometimes you have to try to write from the perspective of a commercial, not commercial angle, but you think, oh, you know, this chorus would work or that, you know, that's going to connect with people. But a lot of the time, I just try not to think like that because it then takes away for me so much, you know, and I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to write music like that. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Be, I, I, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, if you start writing to a, almost like a sort of a scientific formula of like, right, this, yeah. this is what's going to, work for TikTok or this is the formula to get on it. It's like that's not a creative process, is it? That's that's that, that's not art, is it? That's like right, okay, well nah, I've just got to do that to nah, keep them happy. It, it ain't at all and I can't you know, I can't write like that. Yeah. I, I just I, yeah, I, I really can't because it just doesn't feel right. How did you find um the last sort of Bananas, eighteen, nineteen months. How did you find that affected you, personally and creatively? Oh man, it, it affected me creatively incredibly. Um, I, I've been so I've been rapping for about in various capacities, but for about fifteen years, sixteen years now, and I've never recorded at home. I've never had a setup at home, you know. I've always gone to a studio or made, you know, I had to find somewhere to record stuff. So I've got a setup at home, and if you know, if lockdown, you know, the lockdowns hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have done that because I'd have just still been running about. And now I literally don't want to record anywhere but at home because I've learned. I've been in so many studios over the years. I've learned how to, you know, to mix a bit, and I know how to record myself, and I kind of know what I'm, you know, I knew what I was doing. Excuse me. And now I just, yeah, you know, I mix my own vocals for, for for the for the hip hop stuff and for the feature stuff and for the other bits I'm doing. I mix my own vocals a lot more, and it, it's great. You know, it's like wow, this is a whole new thing. You know, I'm recording differently. I've, I've got quicker at recording myself. My writing has changed because I'm how of how I'm just like arranging the songs. You know, I'm I'm writing very different. But it was emotionally and mental health-wise, it was, no, it sent me around the twist. You know, I, I was drinking a lot at home, which was uh, which was difficult, you know, because I've struggled with alcohol and a bit of addiction in the past, and it's a, it's a difficult one. Moderation can be, especially when you're in the you know electronic music world. It's just party all the time. So when you're doing three, four shows a weekend, flying all over the gaff, it's just booze and whatever you want on tap, you know. And so yeah, I got really depressed, and then I had to figure some stuff out and went through some really intense emotional stuff and didn't know what was going on. I felt a real disconnect, but I needed to. It was almost like a blessing in disguise, if I'm honest. I think a lot of people had to learn to spend time with themselves, you know, and, and face a lot of demons. So, but at the same time I was writing and I was recording myself. So there was this real positive thing, but there was these real lows, you know, and especially right at the beginning, so I was like, right, let's have a fucking party, get on Zoom, everyone get all the wine in and, you know, we'll have, you know, we'll have a laugh. And, but then that became the norm. That's the scary because, bit for me because, as well. Because you're at home, you can just, I can have 20 Peronis if I want the big ones. Do you know what I mean? It's, 
whatever I'm at home I can just fall asleep so yeah, yeah it was a bit of both really it was great but it was also terrifying do you know what I mean like and I came out of it and yeah I suppose I was honest with a lot of my mates and I opened up to you know at the end of it and just was like yeah man I'm struggling a bit do you know what I mean and but it was it was, like I said it was great because I feel stronger for it now so good yeah it's, uh, it was just uncharted waters wasn't it and I think like all of us well, I say all of us, but so many of us that meets for, for sure almost couldn't do that. I, I, I run, like, um, I'm a club promoter, and so like all of that stopped. So that kind of left me high and dry. Mm. Uh, and I was like, oh man, like, what, what am I going to do? And it was like, right, well, look, I can't drive anywhere. And I just went into like fucking airport mode. I was like, oh, I can have a beer. And yeah. it was like, and after about two months, just thinking, I don't think I've had a night off in two months. It's like, you do, like you say, you start having conversations with yourself thinking, right, hang on a minute, I've got to have a look at this. Like, mm. this is, uh, this this whole situation, we don't look like it's going to be going anywhere for the immediate future. So, like, maybe, you know, and you do, and I think so many people had time in their own head that they probably never had before. And that can be fucking terrifying. And that can be, it can pose a lot of questions that you've, maybe kind of tried to distract yourself from and yeah it's it's fucking bizarre times and uh i was gonna say you hit the nail on the head there Stu, with the distract yourself because that's the biggest thing i found is like i've realized for my whole life whenever i've had any, any kind of emotional i'm gonna say emotional crisis you know any moment where there was something really intense or something overwhelming to deal with i just drink through it or you know and not like oh i'm gonna have a drink because I'm, I'm i'm upset but just because if I felt any kind of air, ah, the first thing to do was get a mate, go down the pub, yeah. have a beer. And, you know, realize, you really realise, fucking hell, I've been, I've been doing that for 20 years. Every time there was any kind of imbalance or upset or something, you know, you, the first thing you do. So, yeah, it was, like, interesting to deal with that stuff, you know, sober and be aware that you're yeah. dealing with stuff sober and be like, right, well, you know, I can't just be pissed for this anymore because, you know, I'm losing my marbles a bit. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. realise, you're like, all right, well, I'm going to have to... um Gonna have to change this up a bit, you know, and not drink ten Peronis a night. Can have, can have five, that's all right. Five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's growth, man. It's growth, and it essentially, you know, that's what life is. And in, and I just kind of know that like, whatever happens in life, there's something to be taken from it. Yeah. And uh, I've always kind of known that, but it hit a bit harder with that because you were just like, right, you know, it's just me and these four walls, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm going to ask you for track two the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you oh this is another deep one um, so yeah exit music for a film by Radiohead uh, so I was in a band from my teens left school straight into a band straight into touring which was great um, nine years we were together called Flicked did loads of shows, played some played some really cool shows with Skin Dread back in the day, um, played with a band called Downset, who were like Cypress yeah, Hills-like. Yeah, you know, played with them at the Underworld. So we did some pretty cool shit, you know, we got to a certain level and, yeah, was in talks with, like, Virgin to sign with them when they had Relentless, when So Solid Crew first come out, it was around that time. So, yeah, you know, we, we did all right. And then very unfortunately, our guitarist, Jim, our best friend, passed away, drowned. Yeah, I was with him at the time. It was very, very difficult. It was a very difficult moment, you know, witnessing your best friend pass. And he, he was a massive Radiohead fan, basically. 
I never got it when he was alive. I was just be like, mate, what is this depressing shit? Do you know what I mean? Like, because I was a jungle head and a garage yeah. head, you know, them, them those years. So I was just like, this is bollocks, mate. What? Like, and, um, you know, when he passed, the song we carried his uh, his casket to his brother Adam, who was also the drummer in our band. He was he's a massive Radiohead fan, so he curated the music for Jim's funeral. And yeah, we carried his casket to that song, Exit Music for a film. Wow. And you know, I didn't realize how much that song had embedded itself in me until I heard it again and realized what it was years later burst into tears you know and just was like overwhelmed you know at how much you know that had you know stuck in my head and created you know it, i just remember the moment and it was powerful because the church was you know we, we we come from a really close little community we've got lots of friends you know i grew up in a council estate in west london and it's very community based so there's just lots of people you know families and Long story short, the church was absolutely heaving. There was people outside. It was like someone, you know, someone massively famous had passed, you know, and it was just this really powerful moment carrying his coffin, that song, playing outside to put him in the car. And we walked, you know, walked with the car. It's like a 25-minute walk. Walked it to, to, the, to the cemetery. But, yeah, it's that song, man. You know, just any time. And now, even if I, if I just hear the beginning, I cry immediately. But now I can sit through the song and enjoy it and just, like, you know, have a cry. And if, I, if I'm ever feeling pent up, I'll just stick that song on. I'm like, oh, wait, that's it. I'm gone, you know. That's my favourite radio song, By A Mile. Wow. Right. Brilliant. Um, and I can – I mean, if we talk about, you know, we, 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 you spoke about recording vocals. Whoever oh, – was it probably Nigel Godridge, I believe, but – when they recorded that vocal, Tom York's the echo and what whatever effect he's on his voice, he's fucking off the scale. It sounds yeah. incredible. And when them yeah. big, I don't know, they kettle drums like before it, and then the strings come in and it builds and builds and builds. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps, man. man. Yeah, <laughs> I remember, like, I can tell you the first time I heard it because I got told off by my mother, right. <laughs> I was sitting in my bed at home and I was in a, in a band trying to make kind of atmospheric guitar music because I was uh, inspired by the, the previous Radiohead record. And, uh, and I just thought, yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, the band's getting good. We're, we're, and, and I remember getting OK Computer, going home and just putting it on in bed and just like sitting there and listening to it. And I think I'd already heard like Karma Police and uh, Paranoid Android. And then that track come on. And when them still, or the kettle drums, that boom, doom, and then like it all mm. creeps in. And it creeps in as well. It's like, it's. Yeah. It's perfect. Oh, and I remember literally sitting in the bedroom on my own and going, Fucking hell! And my mother mm. just coming through the door, going, "Oi, language!" Really? And I was like, What's "Sorry," <laughs> but like, it wouldn't have mattered if I would have gone, "Mum, can you not hear this?" Like, she'd be yeah. like, "What's this depressing shit?" But like, oh man, what an incredible record! What an yeah, absolute, really, it's really powerful. It's and you know now I absolutely adore Radiohead. You know, I, I'm just I'm religiously, you know, I just love them. Yeah. fight you know anytime anyone's like depressed I'm like no they're not they're, you know, <laughs> listen to, you know, to idiot that's not fucking depressing you know and um yeah I'm I'm just yeah I've been to, I've seen them luckily very luckily seen them a few times and just 
cried and been like, ah, you know. Oh, I was so glad you said that. I saw I saw him at uh, Victoria Park when mm-hmm. the album after OK Computer yeah. come out. Kid A. Kid A. When Kid A come out, yeah. Saw him at, uh, at Victoria Park. And I think they encored. And I think the first one they come back on with was Street Spirit. And everywhere you looked, there was just like, kind of just a fucking field full of grown men all with their bottom lips just fucking going and everyone just thinking yeah. this is just different level. Like it's just, yeah, beyond powerful yeah. what they do. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof, stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just incredible. They're, yeah, I, no words, man. I just, anytime I listen to them, I'm inspired, you know, I'm emotional, I'm connected. It's just, yeah, it's, there's, there's something very, very special about, about Radiohead. So, yeah, exit music. Oh, amazing. Rest in peace, Jim. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For track three, could you tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please? So there's two here. I mean, it's really difficult to give one because there's two very distinct ones. And uh, so if that's okay, I'm going to give you two, 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 two for sure. Um, Let's do it. Uh, so the first one is Peter Tosh, Legalize It. Lovely. Um, my grandfather is a, is, is a Jamaican man from Kingston. And I grew up with him driving around in his Ford Capri, you know, in the 80s. Uh, he used to drop me to school, basically. That'd be his... funny. Get out of a Capri in the 80s, mate. You're fucking owning it. D- yeah, yeah. It, it was bronze. It was like bronze. It was incredible. It was just, yeah, you know. And he used to be a bodybuilder, so he was just this massive fucking hench Jamaican man. You know, it was just a wonderful sight. And then little this little white kid, you know, chubby white kid. The strangest thing, a lot of his friends used to be like, who's this fucking little white kid you got in the car? Like, my grandson, that man, my grandson. Um... But yeah, he so he used to drop me to school, um, and yeah, he'd always be playing, you know, a lot of Studio One stuff, um, a lot of Augustus Pablo, a lot of uh, 
Jacob Miller, but Peter Tosh. I remember hearing that song and, you know, when whilst he was driving, he'd be laughing at the lyrics, and I was like, "Well, you know, what's funny?" He's like, "You know, can't you hear what you're saying?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, doctors smoke it, even the nurses too. You know, goats eat it. It's good for tuberculosis and the flu. You know, just just advocating, you know, weed." And I was just like, "What? This is hilarious!" And then he showed me the album cover. Yeah. When I when I got home, and I don't know if you've seen it yourself, Stu, but it's, yes, that's such an iconic image. Just Peter Tosh in this bush of weed with a big spliff, just like. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, that song just, you know, I'd get dropped to school and, you know, I'd just go around school singing it to my mates, you know, birds eat it, <laughs> you, know, even the ghost, you know, and it, it was just, it reminds me of going to school. And then, uh, so our other guitarist, Ray, who I've not seen in a while, bless him, but Ray, if you ever hear this, hello, mate, miss you. Um, so, Prodigy, um, you're no good for me had that on cassette. So we used to finish school and most of the time go back to Ray's house because his house was on the way home to mine. So we'd walk home from school, get a little pizza from Domino's, seven-inch personal one, pop to his. And then we just played, um, I forget the name of the album. Is it Fat of the Land? No, that was um, on Duty Generation. Yeah. Was it? It was Duty Generation, that's it. Yeah, thank you. Um, So, yeah, just and me and Ray used to just like, dance around in his in his front room while his parents weren't there because his mum and dad would be out you know he'd be at work so we'd go in and we'd put his dad's stereo on full blast his dad was like heavily into music he listened to a lot of Floyd and uh, Robert Johnson lots of blues like but yeah we'd just have that one so I'd start school by listening to Peter so you know I'd go to school with Peter Tosh in my head and then at the end of school we'd be raving to You're Not Good To Me by Prodigy nice it's just both of those songs if I ever hear them I'm like good school days yeah yeah, yeah. You, so yeah, don't those two, man. To a generation like uh, uh, someone from Essex, like we're fiercely proud of the prodigy. You know, they're they're they're, mm. at, they're one of our greatest exports, and uh, and Duty was the one for me. Like I, I've all, like the, the, the club I run is like a kind of guitar, kind of alternative club, and and back then, all of a sudden, you was getting, I, I guess, what maybe if you refer to them as a rave, something from the rave scene was crossing over then. We'd had the stuff yeah. that had happened in like the late 80s with like, you know, the, the, the sort of like 808 state and what was going on in Manchester and stuff. But then yeah. in, in that kind of time, and we're talking early 90s, we're talking like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Rage Against the Machine, all of this sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden you've just got these four loons from Essex that are making this like electronic music that's, I guess when they come out with like Charlie and stuff like that, they were just, and, and, I, and I'm not sort of discrediting them anyway, they were another band that were putting out a, a novelty rave record with a, a, a little, you know, funny sampling, uh, funny sampling. <coughs> Excuse me. And then fast forward to stuff like uh, anything off of Jilted. Ju- uh, and for me, it's when, you had the rave stuff then for me still today my favorite prodigy track is poison and then like when you hear poison it's like there's there's the sign that's where they're going they're getting fucking yeah. hard and that and like and it yeah. just built it's that, so industrial that song it's like yeah it's a massive hip-hop break as well that drums are just fucking incredible and, and that sample yeah <laughs> it's so good 
Oh, I'm going to play that today on the way to judo in the car. Thank you, Stu. Yeah, bang on. That's an absolute banger, man. Yeah, I remember the first time hearing that. I was like, wow. Wow, this is like, yeah, it's just like, you know. Did you enjoy school? It was heavy and hard. It's like, fuck. Yeah. How was school? Say again? How was school? Uh... It was yeah, it was it was all right, man. I didn't really get on to be honest at school. Um, yeah, just went to quite a rough school, man. You know, in in West London, a lot of fights, a lot of bullying, lots of you know, lots of very angry estate kids, man. You know, and I don't think a lot of us knew why we were so angry at that point because we were young, but we just knew we were angry and we were given this. You know, we brought up in this environment where it was like rough, you know, had to fight to to gain respect. It sounds it sounds, you know, ridiculous, but it's the truth. And it's like so take that into school where you're trying to apply yourself and the teachers don't really know how to handle these kids because these kids are quite troubled and the home life is difficult, you know. My massive love to my mum, but yeah, you know, childhood was pretty rough, single parent struggled a bit she was young you know it's just lots of people have gone through it and are going through it but yeah school was, it was yeah yeah just kind of left it was just like you know finished school it was like right music right get me in the studio yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah. And it was straight into it and i've never really been concerned with grades or I never went to uni never did any of that never you know stayed in the school just like get me the fuck out of it kind of yeah. thing but it was tough yeah got bullied for a few years you know and it was weird because I was, you know, I could stand up for myself, but there was just these two guys in particular and they made life hell for a bit and it's really stuck with me, but I ended up having a fight with one of the bullies and beat the shit out of him. There you go. No you way, know, then. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it just happened, so I was like, I've got to stand up for myself, but it took a while to get there. And, uh, yeah, some cool teachers. There was, uh, I think it was Mr. Malouche. He was a science teacher, so he, for some reason, me and him got on super well. He was a really cool young guy, and he was into hip hop. And that around that time, I was also starting to listen to lots of nineties New York East Coast hip hop. And uh, he let me play "Muddy Waters" by Redman, the album in in science. Um, I don't know why. It's to this day, I'm still like, yeah. why was I allowed? To, you know, because there was these little cassette players you could have in. They were, they were in the science lab. I don't, you know, and he just he let me play it. Um, so, you know, there was some great moments, but yeah, nah, just, you know, just never really, really it never really clicked, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm going to keep you in the formative years for one more track and uh, and ask you to tell me the first record you remember buying from a record shop. It was uh, Helter Skelter's Nocturnal. That was like the first time I remember going into a shop to look for a record. I think I'd obviously been bought, I had like, do the Bartman on seven inch, you know, but my mum had got it from me. So, so it was the first time I had got my money and went yeah. to a shop and was like, right, I'm going to buy this record. Um, yeah, so Helter Skelter Nocturnal, um, which is an album. And my favorite song from that album is a song called Soldiers Gone Psycho. Um, simply because of the beat, just, you know, it's just really fucking hard. And, uh, yeah, I went to a record shop in Diarlaby Street near Black Market Records in Soho. Cause I was going to black market a lot as a kid with my cousin who was on pirate radio. So he'd go on a Friday, get all his dubs, you know, yeah. speak to Ray Keefe, try and get a couple under the counter once. Um, and yeah, kind of got, became familiar with that area. There's a few record shops around there, Mr. CD, I forget the other one. There was another, another record shop. Anyway. Yeah. Went looking for this record because I'd heard it at my friend Fabian's house. Again, we'd leave school sometimes 
Um, no, this was when I was a bit older, actually. Just when I started smoking weed, smoking hash, you know, I went round to Fabian's. And yeah, we were allowed, basically we were allowed to go to his house and have a little smoke after school. Yeah. And he, he, his sister knew a load of graffiti writers from my area. They were all like older guys, you know, really cool guys that all rapped and listened to hip hop. And I remember hearing Jizz's Liquid Swords and Nocturnal at his house. And I was like, why is this? Like, I've not heard anything like this before. Like, bloody hell, you know? And he was like, yeah, check it out. You know, let me borrow it. No way, you know? I can <laughs> I'm going to go and buy this for myself. So, yeah, I, I went to went to Dolby Street in Soho, picked up Nocturnal and fell in love with hip-hop after that record, just like absolutely fell in love with religion. Every weekend would go to the record shop, buy it, you know, whatever's new, new is in, come up, open it, you know, sit down, have a smoke, listen to it intensely, you know, listen to it again, learn all the lyrics. Um, yeah, did that for many years. But yeah, Hell's Girl Nocturnal. It's so good that with, with record shops that, you know, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm always fearful of sort of sounding like a fucking granddad on here and talking about the good old days of vinyl. But the, the one thing that presents itself time and time and time again when I ask this question uh, to guests is literally what you've said there, that that record, you've just literally pinpointed the whole fucking journey of getting it going there buying it and like after already hearing it from someone else and thinking well, i'm gonna go and get this and then you know that that excitement of getting home and playing that it's like you're not gonna get that with digital downloads you're not gonna get to you mentioned the peter tosh cover you're not gonna get to just be fucking wide-eyed staring at a fucking record sleeve while you're listening to it they're the things that are you know, I hope with this sort of resurgence of, of, of vinyl that we're seeing will continue because I think some of the, the most beautiful things about, you know, a, a, about a record is, is the sleeve as much as the music and the journey attached oh, to absolutely. going record shopping, you know? And absolutely. Couldn't agree more to. Okay, let's go clubbing. Track five, the song that soundtracked your years in Clubland, please, mate. Another really difficult question, but a great one, um, which I could go on about this for bloody hours. Obviously, I won't. But, you know, like I said, I was I was in the hosting and emceeing scene for a long time. So I tra- traversed through the jungle years, the garage and grime years, and then the dubstep years. And for me, the dubstep years were a real turning point. It's when I became a better MC. I remember, you know, I started doing bigger things being on bigger stages working with bigger DJs and it's when DJing kind of blew up you know when dubstep in the UK got big and then once it went to America it got absolutely you know pulled apart and now it's just what the fuck is that but um, you know them, those dubstep years when it was reggae influence and it was like the DMZ raves at uh, mass you know and just Changes by Malar was like one of the distinct songs I remember hearing in pretty much every rave. So whether it would be, you know, a, a, a multi-genre lineup, whether it was a dubstep rave, I just remember every time I heard that song, it was just good energy, man. People would, people would dance, man, and there would be this huge reaction to it. And it just, it just, whenever I hear it, it just makes me think of those really good years for me of like raving the end club, you know, in uh, in central London. Uh, yeah, Mass in Brixton. Yeah, Mallor changes, man. And very, very luckily now, you know, worked with Mallor a few times, hosted a few raves with him. It's just, you know, I was in India with Mallor at one point. I was like, what the fuck is my life? Like, what? <laughs> Come on, you know, this is crazy. He's like, yo, do you want to jump on my set? And I'm like, uh, yes, please. You know? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so that tune, man, that tune, Malai, it's just such, it's so anthemic and it's also emotional and it's just powerful. And if you hear it on a proper speaker, you know, a proper, a proper rig, you know, like a, a proper sound system, it's just, it just, it just belts, man. So, yeah, but there's so many, like, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's impossible. It's a very, very difficult question to ask. That was probably the one that took me the longest to answer, to be honest with you. <laughs> For someone that spent so many years on stage, you know, behind to the side, in front of the, you know, decks, either, or, you know, or, or, or in bands and things like that. I know how I feel and I find it very difficult, but how do you find it when, if you go out and you're not working and you're just in the club, how do you find that as an experience? I'll be completely honest with you. Nine times out of 10, that never happens. Yeah. Because nine times out of 10, honest to God, if I'm in a rave, someone will get me on the mic. Yeah, there'll be someone that's playing that I know because otherwise I wouldn't. I, I don't normally go raving anymore, you know. But if my mates are playing, then I'll go. And I know not like in an egotistical. Well, I know yeah, loads yeah, of sure. people, but I, I fucking know loads of people, you know, through just emceeing over the years. And um, yeah, I just end up on the mic, so I don't really know to be honest with you. Because someone's oh, come here, jump on. Oh, fucking, I'll go in there. Three hours later, I'm still hosting. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm not a very good, um, what's the word for, uh, no, uh, when you're like a, when you're in the crowd, there's a word for it, isn't there? I'm not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Customer, no, not customer, like a... Clubber? Clubber, yeah, let's just say a clubber. I'm not really a clubber, you know, I don't really like, I don't really like being in the crowd, to be honest. Yeah. Just because I find uh, crowds a bit overwhelming. Mm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, I always end up on the mic, so I don't really know to answer the question. <laughs> right, let's take you home. Uh, track six, favorite song from an artist from your home county, please. Uh, yeah, Foreign Beggars Contact. Nice. Simply because they're now family. You know, our drummer Prav is brothers of Pavan, who's the, uh, who's in Foreign Beggars. Um, and that song for me made me feel confident in being a UK British rapper with a British accent, with British slang. You know, a lot of people were rapping in American accents when I started rapping and, you know, using American slang. And Foreign Beggars, when the first time I heard Beggars, I was just like, who the fuck are these guys, man? Yeah. Like Pavan's voice, Orifice's voice is just like cuts through, you know, Ebo, rest in peace, his uh, metropolis. You know, his bars were just so intelligent and he just had this swagger with his flow and I was just like, these guys are crazy. And then, you know, many years later, met them, toured with them, became best friends with them, joined the band with one of their brothers, you know, so that's great. But that tune, man, I've just seen it destroy dance floors. I've, you know, performed at live with them now a few times. I stood in for Pavan when he, you know, he couldn't get over for a bunch of shows. I toured with Metropolis and No Names and, you know, putting that in a set and just like being in Spain and just seeing like 35, and people just going fucking hell for level, you know, to that song. And yeah, man, you know, they're they're a UK UK hip hop group and uh just absolutely smash it and it's a fucking banger. And then the drum and bass drop, you know, and just the switch up it's like Yeah, yeah, uh contact for biggest definitely. You, you you touched on confidence uh a moment ago. What's mm-hmm. what's your relationship with with confidence you talk about being on stage in front of 30,000 people 
uh, and you know, if you ever go out, you all of a sudden you're on the stage, emceeing. Like, t- just tell me about your your relationship with, with 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 confidence. Is it something that you've got an abundance of, or is it something that you have to sort of push to get to to do the things that that you do, or is it just something that? Uh, uh, over over time has just been you know has become well that's that's what I do like I have to kind of you know be at peace with that what's what, what's your relationship with, with with confidence uh I think when you find yourself as an artist and you know what you want to say on record I mean it, there's different levels of it but for me the most noticeable change recently is knowing what I want to say and being confident to speak openly about everything really putting your life and your experiences into a song and to do that because sometimes the song takes weird turns and twists you know like you're not saying the i guess you're not saying the, the typical stuff that people would expect to hear on a record from a rapper you know normally it's bravado it's i'm the best it's no one can fuck with me it's you know i'll take your girl you know like <laughs> you know bravado ego but when you start talking about mental health depression you know sadness happiness love life hugging kissing you know trees you know just you know when you start talking about that stuff it takes a certain confidence to them feel you can put that record out into the world um and thank you know thank god and thank the stars that that those songs are released you know more recently with the hip-hop stuff and even with the pantry stuff they were received well you know people liked the different subject matter so that boosted my confidence in that sense but before i just felt like i had to be a different person and you know, with the hosting especially and, you know, trying to early in the career, you know, music for me is this journey. It started because I loved it and I just wanted to create it. And then it became a thing that started making me a little bit of money. You know, I was getting little 30, 40 quid to go and host a rave. So I was like, oh, there's actually an income here. And then you start doing bigger things. You start actually making some money. You're in the scene. People are being successful. So then you say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to try and write some songs like that because I want a bit of that success and I want to make more money. So then you go down this path of like, right, what can I do to be, you know, accepted in the popular music world? You know, the underground world's there. It's not making much money. I want to do that. So then you, you, you know, you become this person that's right in a specific way to achieve certain thing. But then when you realize that's not you, you know, it changes so much. So I guess I never really had the confidence to be like, you know, that kind of MC. I was trying to write for other people. Um, and in terms of like when I say other people I mean you know the masses and radio and you know radio DJs and sure. you know the labels and stuff it's just you've got to write for yourself and it, it's I've gained that confidence where I'm confident in what I'm writing for myself is good enough which is great and it, and in terms of you know stage confidence um, yeah I've never I've never really been nervous or scared I've always been confident you know just it could be a hundred people I mean, to be honest the less people the more difficult it is I find yeah so you've got to make eye contact a lot more there's more people you know when you're playing to you know 15 20 thousand people it's just like you don't really have to look at anyone yeah you know and so yeah it's kind of it's easier but yeah I've never had a issue with not problem but I never had a thing with confidence and getting on stage like yeah you know been put on the spot a lot of times you know to some big bloody crowds and just get out there and do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and enjoy it. That's, yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. If you're enjoying it, people watching you will enjoy it back because, you know, there's someone up there having a good time enjoying the music, you know, what's there to hate? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Mm. Final track. Um, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. 
I've snuck one of mine in. Do it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Have a bit of meat. And, and it's good because it's, it's, uh, it can refer back to what I was just saying um, about confidence. Uh, so this song, Illaman, OK, um, is a song I wrote a few years ago with a producer called Normodity, who for me is like my radio head producer. He makes these beautiful soundscapes. He really likes creating uh, beautiful sound, basically. Um, everything he sends me is like film scores. It just sounds like something that would be in a film or something that would evoke emotion. Um, and I wrote this, that song, this was when the change in my writing and emotional attachment to the writing changed. You know, I, I just found my confidence in speaking very honestly about mental health struggles, et cetera, et cetera, life. Just, you know, here's my life on a plate, essentially. You know, here's what I'm going through at that moment. And it serves as a marker for me for a really difficult point in my life. Uh, the chorus I'm just basically I'm reminding myself that everything's going to be okay you know and that's just what the chorus is and everyone I know that's heard the song I've had loads of really wonderful messages people saying it just you know they listen to it when they're feeling a bit down it, give, it gives them a bit of a lift and uh, I just yeah the beat's great I'm really proud of the lyrics and I think yeah you know more people should hear it so go and hear it well, we can do that because we uh, we put together a, a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast, so people can go and listen to all of the records that we've we've spoke about today, mate. Um, yeah. As as twenty twenty two is looking to be a far more connected and and open uh, space than maybe what twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one was. Um, with that in mind, what are you looking forward to this year, personally and professionally? Personally, more growth, more understanding of myself, and uh, and then putting that into any music I write going forward, whether it be with Pantry or whether it be on myself. I mean, the, the, the new we're, we're already looking at you know the next next album, and I'm just really excited to put a bit of myself again, you know, more of the growth into it and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, personally, just growing, man. And professionally, just can't wait to gig again. Just cannot wait. Been doing it for 20-odd years, you know, in whatever capacity, just being on the stage, connecting with people. You know, me, Fatty, and Prav have played some incredible shows together and separately, you know, big and small crowds. And it was just really nice when, you know, before COVID, we were we were playing to, like, you know, 300 people in a, in a little little space and it was just nice to you know reconnect and play these songs that that we really love and love you know the sound of because Peng Shui for us is like it's the culmination of everything we've all loved our entire lives you know um just yeah man like lots of people say just honestly playing shows because I fucking miss it and I miss that connection and I miss the energy and I miss giving energy to get energy back it's fuel it's power it's emotion it's attachment it's no, so I'm just looking forward to gigging again a lot. Um, and writing, just writing, you know, just, yeah, just writing more great music. And if people want to keep up to speed with that and, and, and any uh, gig announcements and stuff, where's the best place to, to keep up to speed with you? Instagram. Instagram's the best place, at Peng Shui Music. Um, yeah, like, we're, we're about to tour, we're, we're, we're continue on from 2020 was it 2020 bloody hell it was wasn't it yeah 
Man, time, what's going on? Them, but yeah, them years in between, they don't count. They're just like missing nah, years, they man. Don't. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, I'm literally like, what? Um, but yeah, so to, uh, February tour starts in Manchester, ends in Brighton on the 15th, um, playing like, you know, up and down the country. Uh, London sold out, which is great. Bristol sold out. Manchester's on its way to selling out. So yeah, if you hear this and you want to come see us, make sure you get your tickets ASAP because, um, yeah, they're flying. But yeah, just back on the road. Instagram, Pantry Music. Album's out uh, next Friday. Bloody hell. Yeah, 28th. So the new album, uh, Destroy Yourself, that's out next Friday. Finally, another baby. Another one of our babies being thrown into the world. Um, yeah, man. Yes, it's, it's, you know, it feels good. It feels it feels like it's going to be a decent year. Hopefully. Lovely. That's, that's, mm. that's a perfect, perfect place to, uh, to wrap the podcast. Mate, I've had a blast talking records with you, man. Me too, bro. It's been a real joy. Have Me a lovely too. weekend, man. And uh, and I'm going to press stop in here, but don't go anywhere, all right? Yeah. There you go. Ah, lovely chat. What an absolute ledge. So good to hear people just being so open, honest, provoking these conversations to, you know, be so open and, and you know, talk about if you're feeling shitty tell someone you're feeling shitty you know if you're feeling upset there's no problem with having a cry have a cry it feels feels nice to get it out and yeah and and if any of you are feeling rubbish uh, and you haven't got anyone drop a drop us a message you know you can always get me on the socials drop us a message um and yeah there's a lovely you know i mean the fact that pip called his podcast um distraction pieces perfect right you know, it is a distraction. Sometimes it's nice to kind of take yourself away from your your thoughts for a while and have a little a little you know holiday from your head. And uh, yeah, if this podcast ever offers that, then ah, uh, you know, it's amazing if that's the case. Um, yeah, and like I say, if you're feeling blue, um, yeah, drop us a message, and uh, yeah, we can always have a natter. Um, yeah, I think we're done. Uh, it was a lovely chat. Um, big love to um, Illaman. Um, massive love to M, uh, who sorted this out. And, and she sorted me out so many lovely guests over the years. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of my chat with uh, Chuck D, uh, who was, you know, one of my heroes. Uh, and he's one of my heroes. Uh, and ever since, you know, Chuck come on the podcast, it's it really helped lift uh, what I do as a, as a podcaster and and off the beaten track, and that all falls on the shoulders of uh, of Emma. So thanks loads, Em. Um, I will uh, forever be in debt to you. Um, right, I'm back next time, people. Uh, have a lovely week. Be excellent to each other, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Bye bye. It's off the beaten track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it. Eat a